Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Fins and dummy half. It's with the halfback, William. Williams goes himself, comes out the other side, gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from De Goyce, puts a kick out wide, looking for Shanderoel, and Earl is in again. No. Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. Guys and girls, we are one week until Team List Tuesday, seven days exactly from the biggest day of the Supercoach year. I'm that excited for it, just as excited for it. Probably even more, I dare say, is the Supercoach Spy who joins us today. Spy, how are you, mate? Mate, pumped is an absolute understatement. The the only good thing, the only bad thing, sorry about this time of year is this coming weekend because they hit you with a bunch of trials, you get sucked up, and then you got to wait a full weekend before the actual footy starts. So a bit of a tease, but don't you worry, I'm fired up and ready to to start with a fire this year, lads. Oh, we'll see about that, mate. I uh, I question it, but it is. Uh, we've had the first weekend of trials, which are first and only real weekend of trials this season, which just changes everything for us. A man who watched just about all of those start to finish is 2019 Supercoach runner-up, Walson Carlos. Walson, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm going well, Timmy. Spy, yeah, uh, boys. Yeah, a big weekend of footy, but I was, I was loving it. Tried to catch as much of it as I can. I think I've got about three halves to go. I haven't watched the second half of the South game. I'm about 10 minutes into the second half. Uh, I haven't watched the second half of the uh, Tigers and Manly game and um, – Canterbury-Cronulla game, I've got to get the second half of that as well. But, I mean, the second half, so they tend to rest a lot of the good players as well. So um, I'll get to them and, and yeah, like finish off. Done a pretty comprehensive wrap-up there, Timmy, that you've got on the uh, the website. That's it, mate. We'll get to that in a minute. And speaking of first halves, we'll touch on very quickly, but my goodness, that Bunnies first half against the Dragons, I think flipped a lot of Supercoach sides ahead of round one with the way the Bunnies looked in that. Uh, on today's show, I'll oh, just touch on last week. Unfortunately, we had a few tech issues. The old tech gods uh, were down on us and absolutely um, wrecked us late in the show. And uh, we had to cut our questions off. We did record them, had to cut them off when I was editing, but um, not to worry. We'll jump into a few of those this week. And basically, with the trials done and team list to come, your teams and questions will change anyway, so not to worry. Uh, in today's show, guys, we'll finish up our team previews. We've got the Broncos, the Tigers, the Seagulls, and the Dragons to go. Um, a few very interesting points of interest in those sites, particularly coming out of the trials. Walsh is going to do a bit of a weekend trial recap for us with the things that caught his eye there. 
Look at a few other things, then we'll jump into a few questions uh, and go from there, guys, see how we go tonight. We will start off with Walsh and what caught his eye at the trials of the weekend because there's heaps of points of interest. Um, Walsh, what were the big things for you, mate? Yeah, look, uh, it it reaffirmed a lot of things for me um, in terms of the players that I was looking at. I do – I'm still – pretty high on Cody Nicarima as a big pod. Um, I know that he's been hit and miss and he's sort of been in that category of like a, a Cody Walker, Matt Moylan. They can go really high and um, they can really bomb out some weeks, although Cody Walker's matured from that. Um, but, yeah, he, he was one that really impressed me in the trials. I just think he's going to get a lot of try assists um, getting to the outside of players and and uh, players pushing into the gap. I thought the Storm were really impressive, but that's that's not a surprise. They start the year really well. Probably one of the ones that I'm really having a rethink on is Jerome Hughes. He was very, very impressive. Munster was very quiet. Um, so I, I like Hughes seemed to have a lot of the run of the play in that trial, and uh, he played really well. That was a quality trial. Probably the best trial that I saw was the uh, Penrith Panthers versus Parramatta Eels. Really fast, high-quality Footy um, probably changed my opinion of Penrith. Uh, I wasn't so sure that they were going to be up there again. Now uh, I'm sort of on the fence. You know, I mean, they could only go one better, but, geez, they were impressive. Uh, I'm not sure that they have the depth that they had last year, but I certainly think, you know, Penrith, Melbourne Storm, South Sydney, <laughs> that was unbelievable watching that game. So, um, But they're the teams that are, that are really going to excel at the start of the year. It's interesting because the Storm play the Rabbitohs first up. Yeah, mate, some really good points there. And I'll throw a few questions at you that sort of caught my eye. And uh, I watched a lot of the games as well, but it would definitely look like a, probably a further opinion on them because I didn't see uh, bits and pieces. Mate, a guy that I'm really keen on for my – I really want to get into my round one super coach team is Valentine Holmes at centre wing, provided he plays fullback. Mate, he started on the wing in that game with Drinkwater at fullback. The second half, I think it might have been, they flipped there. Uh, they put a bit of a score on the Broncos in the second half. Val looked awesome, uh, and a lot of it came off Drinkwater at 5'8". Mate, who do you see winning that fullback role in round one? It's hard. It'd be hard to believe the money that they're paying Valentine Holmes, and just purely on the eye test of that game, that he wouldn't be fullback. He played. He was far superior to um, Drinkwater, and Ed Drinkwater's a good player, and I understand why they're trying to make him into a fullback. I think it'd have more to do with his defence in the front line, because um, he was a pretty atrocious in the front line. There, you know, he let through a lot of a lot of tries, or you know, there was players inside and outside of him that were worried about what he was going to do. So. Uh, I think they've got a bit of a dilemma there as to what they do because I think Peyton would be reluctant to play Scott Drinkwater at five eight in the front line, but I don't, I can't see how you waste a player like Valentine Holmes um, on the wing. He he was just too good. You know, the the Broncos folded up, so they haven't really fixed that problem up. I know it was a trial, but I don't think either of those sides, the Broncos and the Cowboys, are going to be top eight sides, and that's the question mark that you've got. Uh, over bringing in a player like Valentine Holmes. But when they score points, and they have got points in them, Cowboys, uh, he's going to be in and around it for sure. Mm, nice, mate. I'll uh, I'll elaborate even more on this and get more opinion on Val from you, Spy, just because basically I'm steering the ship at the moment, so I'll ask whatever I want. Spy, Val gets named in round one at fullback. What's your confidence levels that uh, he stays there and probably uh, reassuring ourselves that we can pick Val as a fullback rather than getting shifted to the wing? 
Yeah, it's a tricky one, mate. Um, just given all the chat around rotations and where everyone's been training, which has been Hammer at fullback, centre wing, Valentine similar, Scotty Drinkwater, 5'8 and fullback. Um, what Walsh just said before in relation to Scotty Drinkwater, the fact he just unfortunately can't defend very well in that front line, but he's such a good attacking player. Does that mean he goes to fullback or does he play 5'8 and be that liability or does he get dropped? Who knows? So... In answer to your question, I would be a little bit concerned about taking Valentine, but in saying that, uh, Supercoach is about risks, and it's not like he won't be on the field. He'll still be there. He'll still be a chance to score tries, even if he did flip to the wing. Um, my only other concern was I think Jake Clifford might have kicked goals for the first half. Whether they'll just give him a crack, I think Val kicked a few in the second half. There's just a few question marks there where I would be a little bit concerned about taking Valentine, but I certainly wouldn't want to talk you out of it either. You're certainly one of the form super coaches around after last year, so if anything, maybe I should be following you. But there are question marks, and he's far from the yeah. lock that he was probably a couple of months ago. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. And I start with Val, and he gets three single-digit scores to start the year, but that's all right. Whilst one of the other big ones, big takes from the weekend, uh, was that the Parramatta Eels in that game against the Panthers, as you said, a, a fairly high-intensity game, probably one of the better trials of the weekend. Uh, in that game, uh, Sean Lane and Dylan Brown, left side last year, switched to the right edge of the field. Mitch Moses and Ryan Madison, uh, two obviously very relevant supercoach players, Piki Mutto, went to the left side of the field in a change from Brad Arthur in a move to try and spark that attack after sort of a tough back end of the year last year. Whilst, how do you see that impacting Parramatta as a supercoach outfit and probably those players in particular? Yeah, it's, it's a big unknown. I, I think Maddo's still a safe bet. I think it actually opens up his game a bit. Um, so it seemed like he was doing more more ball playing and um, probably getting more ball, to be honest. So he, he seemed to, uh, to be reveling out there. But Against really, really good opposition, by the way. So it's you know you've got to look at these trials and sort of weigh up who they're playing and 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 temper it a little bit because like South Sydney look like world beaters, but they were playing St George and I'm not, I don't want to be derogatory towards St George, but they're a side that's like on a rebuild with a new coach and um, they did some good things, but geez, they were woeful their edge defence. But uh, you know, mm. have done that to good sides as well. But uh, yeah, sorry, mate. Back to you, back to what your your question. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm 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 really not sure how it plays out for the right hand side, Dylan Brown and Lane, and that's why I'd be steering clear of them. Moses interests me somewhat because he's got the goal kicking, and I think Parramatta will put a few scores up, particularly round one against the Broncos. I think they could they could put a score on them up there at Suncorp, um, but. I'm not surprised that Arthur's done it because he had to rejuvenate or kickstart the attack, which was their problem at the back end of the year. They had a really good year, if you can remember, and then just as they were coming into finals, their attack seemed to stutter and splutter a bit, and I think he's really done it to to kickstart their attack, so we'll see how it works. Yeah, one guy that, I mean, I've been probably pretty big on Fergo uh, for the entire preseason, still am. Um, and I think Dylan Brown moving to that right edge, I quite like for Fergo's sake. Um, we speak about Dylan Brown time and time again, but his ability to just direct that attack, um, play straight at the line, what that does ultimately is draw in defenders and drag them in um, from the outside in. And I can see, hopefully, Fergo getting a few very easy tip-on tries at the end of that back line or the big loft over the top. 
Uh, we've seen with uh, Mitchie Moses, he sort of crabs across field, doesn't really probably tend to drag in defenders. So um, I like that for Dylan Brown's case. Spy, the other big one out of the trials, uh, Takiaho goal-kicking for the Roosters, which is massive, massive for Supercoach purposes. Uh, I had him pegged as a probably a, a bit of an avoid for round one if he wasn't kicking. We now believe, not confirmed, but, I mean, based on the trial, you'd have to think that he's kicking goals for the Roosters round one while he's on the field. I think it was Teddy kicked goals while he was off the field, which is terrifying. Um, Spy, Tiki kicking goals, does that put him on your – he's probably already on your radar. Will you be buying him now that he is, or is he still a bit of a question mark? Yeah, it's really nice to know for owners of Takiyaho. Um, I I personally don't have him at the moment just because I'm trying to go a little lighter in the front row, but he just makes it a really nice, safe purchase, I think, if you do want him. Um, he would certainly be someone I'll be looking to target uh, once I do upgrade my front row stocks, but that goal kick has got to help, doesn't it? Um, Roosters obviously not coming off winning a comp as well will be a bit, little bit more fired out up. So I think any of that extra resting and sort of early games where they give bikes a spell might be a little bit less this year at times. Um, obviously, that could still happen for someone like Takiyaho if they're playing Brisbane or, or St. George or someone and they get up by 30-odd. But I think off the back of not winning the comp, they'll be fired up and just looking to be at the absolute best um, for for 2021. So I think that all helps Takiyaho stocks. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really big on TKO now. Again, I've said time and time again that I'm not keen on paying up the top dollar for front rollers to start the year. But goal kicking in that Roosters outfit as a front roller, geez, that makes him tempting in my eyes. Um, whilst probably the last one or two to touch on in the trials, uh, we will get to more of them throughout the the podcast in different questions that we'll take from you guys. Um, ben Murdoch Masilla, uh, an interesting talking point at 330k coming back from England. Um, I mentioned that I was going to do a player profile piece on him and his Super League stats. I'm not going to bother with that anymore because I'm not that convinced on him, mate. Um, looked all right in the trial on the weekend, playing on the edge. Uh, I think Spy was having a bit of a chat with a couple of the Supercoach crew on Twitter during the week, and his stats in the Super League, not fantastic, not a big worker, um, not sort of too many offloads or attacking stats to go with his base last year. Um, mate, uh, he screams to me a little bit of a, of a David Feeder. I think I've touched on it in the past, but David Fafida, this is uh, – um, David Fafida in terms of Andrew Fafida's brother, um, he was – Struggling to make grade in the NRL during his time here. Then he went over to the Super League. I saw him play a lot of footy at the Wakefield Wildcats, uh, and he was just an absolute star over there, similar to what Murdoch Masilla did, who's I think he's about 30 or 31 years old now. Um, Spy, what, what was the uh, the stats that you had a look at, at on Twitter? Yeah, mate, it's a really interesting one. I still haven't really formed a decision on this, but what, what one of the boys or one of the groups told me this morning was that Murdoch Masilla equated to about a 50 super coach average last year in Super League, but that was – he only played about 11 games. It was a shortened season, I believe, so I think he was coming back off an injury. His work rate, whilst it wasn't incredible, it wasn't that bad either. Uh, I think he still made like 20-odd tackles, 10-odd runs. He's got the odd try to in him. He, he scored a try or, or an early line break early in the trial, so that was handy. Um, the question we couldn't get to the bottom of was we didn't know his minutes. So if he averaged that 50, was that in 60 minutes a game, mm. 50 minutes a game, or 80? So that's the real big one. If anyone out there knows that, that's going to be a big one because if he averaged 50-odd in, say, 60 minutes, at 300K, he becomes a hell of a buy. But if it's in 80 minutes, then you come back to the NRL and the standard's a bit tougher, maybe he regresses. I don't think he's going to hurt you too 
too badly, but I'm just I still don't know his upside on this. Um, it's really something to have a look at. Um, we can look into a little bit further. Yeah, I'm not convinced him coming back to the NRL that he'll be anywhere near what he was. He might be a very good footballer and have plenty of, plenty of success this year, uh, but super coach credentials, I'm just not convinced. Whilst, what was your take on Murdoch Masilla on the weekend? Yeah, he had a great first touch, and that's what I expected, that uh, he might be set up. I don't, I don't know whether he or Elias Katoa are going to play on the right, right-hand side, but that's that's super coach gold sitting on that right-hand side outside Nicarima. It will be this year. Um, you know, Curran scored a try running outside on the, the right-hand side, and oh, I don't consider Curran, you know, in in the same calibre as those type of players. So, But, yeah, he had a great first touch, line break, couple of tackle breaks, and then he was fairly quiet for the rest of the half. It just didn't go his way. Um, and, you know, a few people commented that they thought he was blowing a bit. He is, he is big. So, yeah, I think it's a bit of a watch and see. But Price, the way he is, uh, on my calculations, he's priced at a 37 to 38-point player. So I think... If you do like him, you can come. If you do like him to get to a fifty or you know a high forties, you can comfortably say that there's some growth there, and you're going to make some money on him. Um, Three hundred thirty thousand, fairly awkwardly priced, but he is dual, so that which is handy. Um, at the moment, he's on my maybes. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Uh, and the last one we'll touch on, probably not massive relevance from the trials as such, but I thought it was very important to touch on. A quote from Brad Arthur on Junior Paulo at just the last couple of days. He can do 60 to 65 minutes standing on his head, but I want to see real big minutes out of him this year. I don't think we need him to play to play him for 80 minutes, but I'm sure if we had to call on him for 80, he's smart enough to know how to get himself through it. Last year, Junior Paulo averaged 64 points per game in 54 minutes per game. Based on this... Um, Spy, can we expect an increase of up to 10, maybe even 15 minutes? Uh, does that put him on your radar? Because that <laughs> excites me about him, especially with his offload and attacking upside. Mate, it plants him firmly on my radar. That is enticing, isn't it? If he, get, if he gets up to, say, 60 to 70 minutes, then you'd have to think he's going to average 70 plus. So I'll probably – look, I'll, I'll wait for it to happen first, but if those first couple of rounds he's playing big minutes, you might have to do a little reshuffle and get the big fella in because he's a fit bugger. He's huge. He can offload. Um, yeah, he could be gold. Mm, I'm with you, mate. If he uh, – I won't be going with him from round one, but in those first two games, if he gets those minutes – um, you know, he's got to be a serious, serious. I think he probably finishes the year second top front row forward to Payne Haas if he gets those minutes. Uh, so we'll wait and see how that plays out. Guys, a couple of quick prize announcements for the SC Playbook Unlimited group. Um, so our group code is 784746. Jump in there and take us on. Uh, for the highest ranked subscriber to knock off all of our contributors this season, they'll win a fully signed Raiders 2021 jumper. Or if you're not keen on the Raiders at all and you'd prefer a normal jumper of choice, we'll get you a normal jumper of choice for whoever you support. Plus two tickets to an NRL game of choice in 2022, plus a food and drinks package to run with that. For the highest ranked non-subscribe in the group to knock off all our contributors, we'll give you part two of that with two tickets to an NRL game of choice in 2022, plus the big food and drinks package as well. Uh, You've heard it all before. But if you do want to subscribe and make yourself eligible for that uh, major prize in the Unlimited group, Jump onto the website, the subscription's in the menu, plenty of extra content, da-da-da, you've heard it all before. Guys, let's get stuck into our analysis of the sides, and we'll start with the Brisbane Broncos, um, who had some 
uh, some pretty interesting talking points, I thought, coming out of the trial on the weekend. Uh, a big one for me, Walsh, was probably Jermaine Asako, who was a big talking point this time last year. Looked pretty impressive in the trial. Kick goals, playing fullback. He's available at centre wing. 346k. Did he come onto your radar at all or still not? Oh, I think if you're watching the game, it was pretty hard to miss him. He looked really sharp, looked fit. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got to be a consideration if you're if you're willing to pay that much for your centre wings, but he's also a risk as well. Um, you know, I think it's a bit of a trap to think, oh, yes, he's got the goal kicking, so, you know, he's a good chance there because... Uh, the Broncos going to score that many tries? I mean, I'm not trying to be harsh, but uh, the Broncos don't look like they've improved that much to me. Um, yeah, Milford was out, but um, and he may improve with Kevin Walters there. But, you know, I, I just sort of flattered him a little bit that first half lead. You know, they were playing uh, uh, Hamaso Tabuai Fado left centre and some of his defensive reads were terrible. Um, on that left side, and I think it was Tessie New went straight through for a clean live break, pretty much untouched, and scored a try. But I wouldn't read too much into that because I'd be surprised if he starts the season at left centre because he's got a lot of work to do on his defence. Defence, but that, that, yeah, I mean, like he looked, he looked pretty good to the eye. But you've got to take into account the opposition, Timmy. Mate, I'm with you. I saw the, saw the extended highlights of that game and fire, the tries and particularly the ones that uh, Sarko had an input on, they were just carving up those edges. They were absolutely shot at the Cowboys, um, which sort of reinforces the idea that, you know, putting uh, Scott Drinkwater into your halves, you know, he's certainly not going to shore up that defensive line, is he? So uh, we'll see how that goes there. Mate, um, and I think it's probably a bit of a wait and watch in the early stage of the year for me on Asako. Mate, like you could make a, a bit of a case for Coates, Tessie New at 230K, Herbie Farnworth at 320, Jesse Arthurs at 267, Milford 304. All guys who are definitely undervalued if Brisbane hit their straps, whilst, but I mean, what we've seen so far, it'd be hard to start with any of them. I think Tessie New at 230K, probably exception. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think uh, definitely Tessie New is the one that uh, springs to mind when you have a look at, you reel off those list of players because of how cheap he is and the fact that he may move back to fullback at some stage. Uh, so that that's enticing. But he may get dropped out of the squad altogether too. Um, so when Katoni Staggs comes back, but I guess Katoni Staggs is not due back till mid-year, I think, so or later in the year. So he's probably going to get a fair crack at that right centre spot. But, yeah, I wasn't overly impressed by it. anyone from the Broncos. Uh, Lodge is one that I'm considering, but only because he's so cheaply priced and um, he probably gets the super coach points by default if he plays, you know, 45 minutes or more. He's he's definitely going to be a bit of a cash cow. Yeah. Uh, Spy... Heading on to the forward pack there, and, and I'm sorry, I'm with you, Walter. I think I'll be starting with Tessie New at this stage, but the job security of that entire back line is, you know, really up for grabs and very shaky. Um, I won't be playing Tessie New in my starting 17, I'll tell you that much to start the year. Spy, a couple of really interesting propositions uh, in the forward pack there. Matty Lodge, who Walsh just touched on at 299k. Mate, we've chatted a little bit about him in one of the earlier podcasts, so we won't dwell on him for too long, but Matty... <laughs> Just looks like an exceptional buy to me to start the season. I do worry a little bit that maybe he lacks a little bit of mobility to excel under the new rules and maybe he won't get the big minutes that we expect with Payne Hass out. 
Um, but mate, Payne Haas looks like a sorry, Payne Haas. Matt Lodge looks like a pretty good go spy. Yeah, Timo, he um I think that's the theme of the Broncos to start the season. There's question marks over basically everyone. What are they going to do? What's their team structure going to look like? Are they going to score any tries? Will they spend half their time behind the post? We don't really know. It certainly doesn't look great from early, but they do have a pretty good forward pack if they can put it all together. So there's a bit of hope there for the fans. In relation to Matty Lodge, I think at that price, it's such a low-risk low play to plug him in and just and just see if he can produce for you. Obviously, question marks might be raised if in round one he only plays 30, 35 minutes. But, I mean, he's a pretty good footballer, and I, I think they probably need him to a degree, especially with Haas out. So, yeah, if he can get sort of 50-odd minutes or more in those first three or four weeks, we'll be laughing, won't we? By Paddy Carrigan last year, was a bit of a revelation in Supercoach. Averaged 67 points per game in 68 minutes per game. Um, mate, is is he a guy that you're considering this year? And probably the other one in that forward pack at the moment, uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. at 616k. He's a big price, but unlike just about every other front rower available in Supercoach, he does have the ceiling, the high enough ceiling that it can hurt you if he does get off to a flyer, mate. Carrigan and TPJ, any interest? Yeah, Carrigan's a pure watch and see. He, um, if he was getting eighty minutes, we know how good he can be. He's he's a really good footballer. Actually, I thought he he was one of their best last year in a, in a tough season. So I'll just see how he looks, how the minutes are. I'd probably want Payne Haas to return and then see how that impacts him before purchasing him. Uh, and Tavita Pengai, he'd be exciting to own. I'll give you that. He um he's an absolute weapon in terms of offloading, tackle busting, attacking stats, and his work rate's pretty good. But again, I just I have so many question marks over the Broncos. I'm not really keen to be paying top dollar for anyone if I can avoid it. Um, I'm trying to target form teams to agree to a degree where you know where where sort of roles are settled and you know how minutes are going to be played out. But certainly, if you want to take a pun on Pengai, he could be anything for you. Yeah. Whilst um, Jordan Ricky uh, is a guy who's going to be really popular for round one. He was really good in the All-Stars game. I think he had, in five games last season, averaged 35 points per game in 42 minutes per game. Uh, in the All-Stars clash, scored a try there, had a line break, nine runs for 71 metres, had five tackle breaks. So some pretty serious stats there. Uh, Matt, if he starts in the back row, which... He's not as short of, but he looks like he will, especially the fact that they've moved TPJ back to lock suggests to me that uh, Kevin Walters wants Jordan Ricky to start in this side on the edge. He's a lock, sorry, he's a must have if he starts. If he's named on the bench in round one, we used to be buying Jordan Ricky at 277k. Oh, definitely not if he's named on the bench, but I mean, he's only a a proper value proposition for me if he's named run on second rower. And even then, it's it's question marks for me. It's a bit iffy whether he's going to get the time and even the attacking stats because, I mean, you know, Broncos will score some tries and he looks like the most likely. Um, he's a very exciting attacking player, but uh, will they will will he get those stats at, uh, at regularity? I'm yeah, I'm not too sure. It's it's a bit cluttered in there in the Broncos forward pack, even though they're struggling a bit and House is out. There's you know, I thought John Asiata played pretty well in the trial, so he might push for a spot or at least a bench spot. So there's a bit of competition for minutes, so it makes me question Lodge and Ricky a bit. Um, But, yeah, I'm just going to have to see what Teamless Tuesday comes up with, Timmy. Mm, Really interesting, mate. Um, I'd sort of thought of Ricky as uh, as a a must-have if he starts at the price, just the upside there. 
He was off the bench. I'm still tempted to pick him off the bench just based on what we've seen in probably pretty limited time. Spy, uh, has that made you reconsider Ricky at all? Probably either way, if he starts off the bench, do you see him as a trap or will he be in your team regardless? Mate, I take uh, everything Walsh says with uh, a lot of respect, so that scares me a little bit. But I'm actually going to go against the big man on this one. Um, I'm going to back on the Ricky Ricky bandwagon. I think he's such a good footballer. I think Brisbane need him in that second row. Just invest in youth. Let's see how he goes. And at that price, it's pretty low risk. So I'll have Jordan Ricky in. If he doesn't get named to start, I probably still will pick him, to be honest, depending who else is available. But, um, yeah, ideally, I'm just assuming he's going to be named back row starter because I've built my back row around him a little bit at the moment. But uh, see how we go. But I like him. I'm a fan. Yeah. Fair shouts there, mate. Uh, boys, let's move on to the analysis of the West Tigers. And we'll start at the back. Uh, I think we'd all be pretty bloody excited what we saw from Dane Laurie at fullback. Two tries within about 10 minutes of the game against the Seagulls on the weekend. Um, uh, boys, I, I don't think we need to dwell on him too much. I think he is, if his name there at that 220-odd K mark, he I think he's an absolute lock in the side. We've got to have him as a cheapie. Uh, a few really interesting ones, though, at the Tigers. Jimmy the Jet, 277K. Walsh, is he someone that you're interested in, or like I'm really intrigued on your thoughts on Jimmy? Yeah, he's in my side. I've got both Laurie and James Roberts in my side. Even though I would say to people, I have only watched the first half, and I look forward to watching the second half. But I would say that uh, the Tigers were playing, you know, sort of like a semi-reserve grade side uh, against Manly, so I wouldn't get too high on it. But yeah, they looked exciting attacking wise. I, I thought. Uh, you know, James Roberts looked really, really sharp, and um, Dane Laurie's sharp. I haven't seen much of him. He he, he looked really good, and you know, Luke Brock, Brooks was steering the uh, team around. I would I wouldn't take a flyer on him, but I'd say he's going to have a much improved season. Um, probably, yeah. I don't I don't get too much on the tie. I were on the Tigers, so I'll talk about Luciano Leilua. But uh, a lot of people were really, really high on him after the trial. But I'd just say. I think he's in for a good year um, and he's reasonably priced, but he was running at a young halfback that Manly put out there. I think it's KO Weeks, his name was, and he really struggled with him. He, he probably was a little bit off it physically, so he ran over him a couple of times and um, possibly flattered his super coach scoring a little bit. Whilst we'll wrap, oh, we won't wrap up the Tigers just yet because there's a few other little talking points. Um, mate, the hooking scenario, I think uh, I found it hard to answer questions on my hooking rotation and what you should be targeting for round one uh, because I'm waiting on what happens at the Tigers with Little and Simpkins. Little started the trial on the weekend for the Tigers, so perhaps that suggests that he's the one who's going to get the nod. At about 250k, I think he looks quite awkward there, price provided Simpkins is the 14 on the bench. Or, I mean, if Moses Empire is right to go for round one, um, he could eat into time at hooker. I don't know how the Tigers are going to go about it. What's your take on the Tigers hookers? I'm not really sure because I haven't caught that second half and what they did. But um, from my understanding, what I've read is they played Simpkin the whole second half, I think, uh, for anyone who saw that. But um, I, I can confirm that when I when I do that uh, uh, review. But I was impressed by Little in the first half, really impressed. But again, have to temper it. They were playing like a manly half A grade, half reserve grade side. So, but he had everything that he had before he had the long injury spell, which was, you know, he was solid enough in defence. 
Um, I wouldn't say he's got an overly high work rate that I can remember, but he's explosive out of dummy half and he took a couple of runs and really tested him up the middle. Um, can't remember if he broke the line. I think he might have actually had a line break there where he just clean split him. So, um, yeah, like yeah, and I'm considering I'm considering him big time. Spy, uh, what was your take on the hookers? You saw the Tigers mainly second half? Yeah, mate, I watched the whole game um, and I watched their first trial as well. For me, I think my guess at this stage would be they're going to split minutes pretty well, maybe 40-40 or something similar to that. So I wouldn't want to be taking Jacob Little um, just at his price. If you're going to take either of them, you probably want Simpkin because at least his bargain basement, which frees up cash elsewhere. Uh, even if you can just get 30 minutes early, he might make a little bit of cash and – I've been chatting to a few people out of uh, West Tigers, and there was a little bit of chat that they really do think Simpkins is the bloke. Simpkins, sorry, is the bloke moving forward uh, over Little. Whether that comes to fruition, I'm not sure. But Madge Maguire's take it, got him from Queensland. He's a star of the youth grades, and there's a bit of talk that his service is a little bit better than Jacob Little's, which is obviously important, especially if you're going to get that early ball to outside backs and Lay Lewis. So. I'm avoiding Little at all costs, I think. Um, unless he was paying big minutes, I don't think you'd want him because he's just that awkward price, as you said. And with the wraps on Simpkin, maybe he can get up to a 40 or 50-minute roll and make some nice cash if you want to use him there as the backup bench hooker. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, mate. I, I think Little probably looms as a trap to me, uh, unless his name is the sole hooker there in round one, With which with his injury history, he's probably a bit of a risk. Uh, I wouldn't be keen on him, although they do have Embi to deputise for him if he was to go down. Um, but Simpkins uh, won't pick him if he's off the bench, but if he's starting, absolutely happy days for our hooking rotation in Supercoach. Uh, boys, let's jump into a couple of questions just to break up the previews, then we'll finish off our last two sides. One from Luke Hopkins. He asks, is Cook a worry due to Latrell and Cody's form going forward? Um, boys, after seeing the trial on the weekend, the charity shield, Cody had a hat-trick within, I think, about 20 minutes. Uh, Latrell had something like three try assists and a try to his name in the first 35 or so minutes. Um, uh, Cook I had in my initial sort of draft side for round one, but I, I've gone off him, to be honest. I think with how good Latrell and Cody looked, backing up what they did in the back end of last year, particularly Cody when Latrell was down injured. Um, I just think the Bunny's going to play that fast, expansive, um, that they're going to use the width of the field because that's where I think they get the best out of Cody, Latrell, all these guys. They've got that lethal back line. Uh, and I just think Cook's going to be doing a lot of dishing, con- uh, controlling his service as opposed to looking to dart. What do you reckon, Wells? Yeah, I actually thought he, he looked to run more than he normally does. I think he might have only ended up with two or three runs in the first half. But, uh, yeah, it's strange because, I mean, they do have a lot of those plays where they go to short sides and Cody comes from the open side to the short side and they play out the back and they're almost impossible to defend. And a lot of that comes down to how good how good the early ball is from Cook. You know, he puts the ball out in front like it's not – I wouldn't say his service is cam- as good as Cameron Smith, but he's definitely got really good service out of dummy half. So, yeah, it's. I think it's going to depend on whether they're sort of belting a team. He's not going to score very well in games like that, like he didn't on the weekend. But if they're in tighter games, I still think he's a chance of sort of working teams over up the middle. So it's sort of game-specific. Um yeah, so I, I haven't got him in my team. I think Hooker's probably a position that I'm really struggling with at the moment. But 
yeah, I, I, I'm probably going to leave him out, I think. Uh, one from Brew, uh, the great man Brew, great super coach personality. Who has the better point, average and cash growth potential out of Brian Kelly and Jamil Fogarty? Um, so in not a lot of words, Spy, that's a pretty loaded question, but I suppose who do you see more upside out of for round one out of Brian Kelly and Jamil Fogarty? Brewster, I had a look at this earlier, mate, for you, and to be honest, I think they both have the potential to make points and cash at their respective values, so I don't really want to split them too much, but I think the safer option is Kelly, because we know how good he is, we we know he's going to get good service, and he's just a great footballer, whereas Fogarty is a little bit fresher, um, so he's just a little bit more of an unknown, so if I'm picking one, I'd take Kelly, but I really like Fogarty's potential as well, mate. Whilst a question from Daniel O'Connell, touching on what we just spoke about before, um, but I think Latrell probably has come into contention a little bit following the weekend, albeit against that pretty ordinary Dragons defensive unit. Uh, he asks, okay, guys, I keep getting drawn to Latrell after the turbo news. Is it Supercoach suicide starting with him in the hopes he has a few good scores, scores early, knowing after round three his scores could explode with the Bunnies run? He says he's tossing up starting with someone who can jump in price before going to someone like Ponga. Um, what do you reckon, Wiles? Latrell? Oh, it's a fair shout. It's pretty hard to argue with after the way the Rabbitohs played on the weekend. I mean, he's going to be in and around it. Like, the, a lot of the plays um, have him involved in it. So, yeah, I, I can see South Sydney, like I said, before the game on the weekend, I think they're going to be an attacking juggernaut. And what they have going for them is they have a lot of consistency in the back line. You know, Gagai's still there. Uh, Campbell Graham's still there. Um, they've got Alex Johnson, who's solid as. They've got their two halves. And, you know, for a large part of last year, they had Latrell there. So I think they've done a lot of reps and they just look so sharp. Uh, of course, they're going to come come up against better defences and teams are going to adjust and that. But, yeah, I, I think it's a fair shout. Uh, I don't know if I'll take that risk because um you can't get him in the center wing position and i'm pretty locked into teddy and pappy but uh i couldn't knock it as a play yeah what do you reckon spy any interest in the trail now mate there certainly is um but obviously that fears always that his base is so low so if he comes off against good sides like say melbourne and the roosters which he does twice in the first three weeks um he potentially has that really low score in him um Around that, though, just for South in general, if you're looking at Latrell or Cody Walker, they play Manly round two, and then from rounds four to six, they play Bulldogs, Brisbane, and the Tigers. So there's a lot of points there. You might worry about Melbourne and and the Roosters, but tell you what, in those other four games, those two boys, Walker and Latrell, could do anything. So he might be a good target, those lads, from sort of round four onwards, and see if you can get away with the Manly game. If they, they, They could tear apart Manly, but than the Roosters. So, yeah, from four onwards, I really like Cody and Latrell if you're, if you're interested in them. Guys, we've uh, we've linked up with Top Sport this season. Uh, I mentioned it last week in last week's episode, but uh, they'll be doing NRL Supercoach Markets this season from round one, we believe. I'm that excited about it. Um, to be able to, to have a little bit of a dabble on NRL Supercoach Markets is seriously exciting stuff for us supercoaches out there. Uh, at SC Playbook, we're going to be doing previews of these markets each round, um, hopefully help you out a little bit, but it will be a little bit of fun. If you are interested in getting in on the action, make sure when you jump onto the page to use the code SC Playbook. that's in caps with no space, it's at topsport.com.au, 18 plus only, and as always, gamble responsibly, guys, trying to do my best Joel Kane impersonation there, God, I love that bloke. Boys, let's move on to the analysis of the Manly Warringah Seagulls. 
Uh, and we'll start Jason Saab on the wing there, 233K. Um, I suppose firstly, Spy, is he a must-have if he gets named on the wing in round one? Do you think you'll get named on the wing in round one? And if you do pick him, will you be playing him in your team with no Tommy Turbo feeding him ball? Well, the easy answer to that is I won't be playing him, that's for sure. Uh, the tougher answer is whether you pick him in your in your uh, your squad or not as a non-player. I, um, I'm tending just to wait till next next Tuesday's team list to see what's going to go on with the centre situation before I make too many decisions there, but he's certainly an option. Uh, but without Tommy there, I don't think I'd want to be playing him in the 17s, that's for sure. Whilst, how do you see the spine of Manly lining up this season? It's been a big mystery um, you know, maybe we got a little bit of an idea out of it over the weekend trials. Cade Cast went down injured, but he looks like he's going to be good to go for round one. Tommy Turbo is not going to be there. Mate, how do you see the, the spine lining up for round one? Obviously, we're going to know in a week's time, but what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, it's hard to say because like this could sound really silly if people have been turning up to Manly training and, you know, Foran's been training at 5'8", and, you know, I know Spice said to me a couple of times he's not going to play dummy half, but, uh, you know, I think their only option now is Lachlan Croker, and he's not really an 80-minute dummy half. And then if you look at Schuster, I can't see that bloke bending down to play dummy half for <laughs> 20 or 30 minutes. He's huge. He's massive. He, he's like 105 kilos. Like, I, I don't know why they wouldn't just let him let him go. He's been like a child prodigy. Um, it, even though they were belted in that first half, he looked outstanding to me. Like what I was most impressed with, like he's got a great running game, but his kicking game, he, he forced about three or four dropouts um, in that first half. I'm pretty high on Josh Schuster. If, he, if he's named in the run-on side, oh, I guess, you know, it goes without saying because he's a cheapie. I, I, I reckon he could he could be the most owned player in Supercoach or he should be because his upside is huge. Yeah. Yeah, when we look at guys, if he does get named to start at 5'8", and I think you're right, it's, I feel like Desi Hasler really would want to be playing Kieran Foran at 5'8". It's his best position. I think it's his best position for the side. Um, but just with their lack of hookers, it might just force his hand that he has to play Schuster at 5'8". It might force him to play Foles at hooker. I mean, all questions we're going to know in seven days' time. Um, it's Schuster at 203k. It adds even more intrigue to that five-eight hooking position. There's so many decent-looking cheapies there. With, I mean, we have got Matty Moylan there. We have got Connor Watson. Uh, we've got you know the Tigers hookers up top. Um, lots and lots of options. So I mean, Schuster may even rock it to the number one in that list if he does get named to start in round one. Uh, Spy DCE five seventy k. We're all looking for a backup half to Nathan Cleary. We don't know who to go with. No one really stands out. Any interest in DCE? I'm going with a firm no on DCE, boys. Um, with Manly's sort of positional depth being tested, they're not going to be at their best, I don't think, early, and they've got a tough run. So, sure, DCE, DCE is going to have to do plenty, but I'd much rather a half or 5'8 who plays an equality side that's more likely to put on a bunch of points against teams. So think about Gold Coast, Penrith, um, those sort of lads. But, yeah, no, no from me. Yeah, and didn't kick goals in the weekend trial either. So without goal kicking, uh, I, I mean, you can consider DCE, but I think it's a no as well. Whilst Marty Tapao uh, becomes a little bit interesting this weekend, uh, this season now with no AFB in the side, um, do you see Marty increasing his offloading game and minutes? Um, and then also, what are your thoughts on, of course, DCE? I think I did. I think I did actually think that Marty Tapao was going to get an uplift and then they – 
they got that late season or maybe it was early earlier this season transfer of Josh Alloy. Uh, and I think that's put me off him a little bit. Um, I know Daniel Paseca is, a, is an emerging talent as well and he's getting more and more minutes from Des. You know, he's earning his trust. DCE has been valuable in the past. Uh, I don't think he's going to goal kick um, unless Garrick drops out of the side. Uh, so I would say, uh, yeah, I, I'm with the spy. It's it's a no for DCE. A um, couple of players that caught my eye, I actually was considering not watching that game because I heard that, uh, you know, the Manly didn't play a proper side. But I actually watched the game because I wanted to see Andrew Davy play. He was He's my... Sleeper buy, I think he's one of the, he's one of the best buys of the year. If he gets that, uh, I think it's left second row spot. Um, Sirenin's on the right, but they started the game and played with Jack Kazuski, um, and he actually looked all right. He went well, but I'm not sure I'm as high on him as um, I am on Andrew Davy. I think if Andrew Davy was to get the start and played 80 minutes, he could be an absolute super coach gun. And he would earn mm. much money, but I'm not sure what Desi's going to do there. But if it comes to Teamless Tuesday and Andrew Davies named in second row, I will be jumping on board. Um, Jack Kazuski at 316k is tempting because if he gets 80 minutes on that edge, he's definitely going to increase in value. But it's not a, it's not really an exciting pick for me. Um, the other player was the bloke who played fullback looked really, really sharp. You know, you know it was getting more than half yeah, Morgan Harper, but then mm. I looked at his price and he's three hundred ninety-seven thousand. So I thought, you know, oh, I wasn't. I know he's played a game, a few games here and there for the Bulldogs and whatnot, but I didn't realise that he was that heavily priced. I, I wouldn't pay four hundred thousand for him. So, um, but he's certainly one to watch because someone's got to play that fullback position until Turbo comes back. Just quickly, mate, before we move on from Manly, um, I've been not perplexed, but there's been more chat about Andrew Davey in the preseason than I probably thought there'd be. He's a little awkwardly priced at 336k. Uh, he was named at 18 in the trial game on the weekend, which let's not read too much into trial games and where blokes are named. What is it that draws you to him as a super coach player if he's named? Is it a PPM type thing? Does he have an offload? What do you like about him? I rate him as a player. I mean, he's he's a mature age player that's uh, worked his way through the systems. And um, when I saw him come on for Parramatta, I just thought this bloke's he's a legitimate A grade player. You know, with with some with some upside. And you know, I look at players from a footy point of view, and then I look at him from a super coach point of view, and just what he offers in super coach. You know, uh, the tackle break ability. Um, he runs hard lines. He was solid. He caught the ball under pressure. Um, he had some offload ability. His work rate was immense. His work rate is is probably the thing that draws me to him because I think if that and I think he did last year. He got he got eighty minutes. I haven't got the stats in front of me, but he got eighty minutes last year in the, in maybe one or two games, and his scores were right up there. Um, I, I stand corrected if I'm wrong, but uh, what I saw from him in, the, in a small sample size says to me that um, he could be a legitimate super coach gun. Yeah, very interesting there, mate. I've just got the stats up here. Former, obviously played at the Eels last year, played what he played eight games. Last two games of the year, round 19 against the Broncos, played 80 minutes for 60 points, had 48 in base, which is pretty solid going. Uh, in round 20 against the Tigers, 71 minutes for 68 points with 40 in base. 
Uh, I think he had a try assist to his name and a line assist in that game. So, yeah, look, certainly if he gets that starting role at Manly and if he looked as good as uh, we think he did on the weekend and Desi was impressed as well, um, he could be a really, really interesting mid-range cow for us uh, to start the season. Fellas, let's move on uh, to our final team analysis of the preseason, wrapping it up with the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Shouldn't take too long, boys. I don't think there's a lot going on, and I think it's just a massive wait and watch for the round one team list with the Dragons because I don't have a clue what sort of bench they're going to go with down there. As you said, new coach in. um, uh, I don't know who's going to start in what positions. It's all over the shop. Um, Zach Lomax will start at 605k, guys. Spy, do you have any interest in Lomax there? As I mean, I don't know if he'll be a pod to start the season. He'll be low enough, but on what he did last year, kicking goals, uh, any consideration? Not really. Um, he might be a really good guy to own later in the season, but not to start with at that price in a St. George side that, that may battle a bit. Yeah, and Spy, what about in the forward pack there? Um I mean, I've seen interest around guys like Blake Laurie, who started at lock on the weekend, Jackson Ford on the edge, Tarek Sims, who I think he had uh, only a handful of games last year, so his price is down a little bit. It's averaged well in the past, maybe undervalued. Uh, Payoso Farmacilli at 232k is a cheapy option. Matt, anyone in that pack that you can see taking your interest, or is it literally just a wait till we see what's thrown out on Teamless Tuesday? It's a hundred percent wait and see, mate. Um, I don't have a whole lot of interest in Saints. So I feel like they're a little bit like. Uh, Brisbane in, with regard to rotations, how things are going to play out. Both could get more minutes, they could get dropped, anything could happen there. Only thing I will note is uh, their first four weeks are actually really good. They have a pretty good opening to the season, potentially against some possibly weaker sides. So that's where someone where like Lomax or, or Dufty might be an option if they could explode early, but it's certainly fraught with a bit of danger. You'd want to you'd be feeling adventurous to do that, but there is some upside there. Yeah. What about you, Wallace? Anything to add at the Dragons? I thought the Dragons looked okay, to be honest. It's, that sounds strange, but um, they were blown off the park a bit, obviously, by South Sydney. But in attack, I, I'd i find it hard to pay the 605000 for Lomax, and that's the hard thing when blokes come from legitimate cheapies and they make their way up to guns. It's, it's hard to pay that, but he looked really good. I think he had two or three line break assists to Cody Ramsey. Um when he touched it, he looked dangerous. So I think the Dragons will go better than people think. Um, it's just hard to pinpoint which players to go. Like I think probably Andrew McCulloch, I'm not a fan of him um, as a footy player, but at priced at 464200 he's a value proposition in the hooking role um, if that fits in with your team. Um, Jack Bird, if you're, if you're feeling lucky with um, injuries, but he looks solid. Uh, Cody Ramsey, He's a bit awkwardly priced at three hundred and fifty-four thousand four hundred, but um, he looks like he's got plenty of attack in him. And I've always been really, really high on Jordan Pereira, um, but his tackle break ability and just if he's getting some clean ball and whatnot, and he looked really good before he went off with a HIA. So um, I guess we'll see how the season plays out. I, I don't think St George is going to be a top eight side, but I think they'll play some good games. Yeah, fair shout, mate. Spy, anything to add? Yeah, I forgot to mention Jack Bird. Um, I've always been a big fan of Jack Bird. He he just needs to stay healthy, and I think he'll do some damage in the NRL. But, again, it's it's a risky proposition coming off those sort of injuries. So just, just put him on your watch list, have a look at him for the first month of the season, and he might be an option moving forward. Uh, same as Cody Ramsey, if you can nail a spot down. 
Yeah, not too much more to add at the Dragons, I don't think. It's, uh, as I said, it's a wait and watch till team list Tuesday, particularly that bench makeup. Uh, if they go with three forwards on the bench and perhaps a, a backs utility or you know maybe a hooking utility to, to give McCulloch or a Hunt or whoever a spell there, whatever they might run out with, uh, I think that'll help basically every player in the forward pack. Um, if they go with the four-forward bench, which we've seen in the past, although that was under Paul McGregor, um, I'd be put off pretty much everyone in the forward. So let's wait and see and reassess when the team's come out on Tuesday. Um, fellas, let's jump into a few questions, then we'll wrap it up. Starting with Nigel Plum's shoulder, still probably the best name on Twitter. He says, ranked from one to four as buyers to start the season. He's got Cook, Coruscant, Munster and Pappenhausen. Uh, I'll start us off. I'm going to go with Pappenhausen at one, Munster at two, Cook just behind in three, and Coruscant at four. I like them all, but that's my order. Spy, what have you got? I've got the same order. I've got, I think, Pappy well clear in terms of the whole season effect. If he goal kicks all year and Melbourne as good as I think they'll be, uh, he was just going to dominate. Munster probably not too far behind. And then, yeah, Cook in front of Appy. I think there are some questionable question marks around Cookie, but I still think long-term you'd want Cook over Appy. Um, Cook plays his 80 minutes, good side, happy days. Yeah. Uh, whilst a really good question from Lee Roy, um, the news on the weekend, poor old Wade Egan's had a tough run of injuries. He started at nine for the Warriors and went down injured and looks like he'll be out for a while. Joining Carl Lawton on the bench, who well, on the bench, on the sidelines, who's out till sort of mid-year at least, I believe. Mate, it opens up a hooking role at the Warriors, and the big one that comes to mind is obviously Jazz Tavanga, who looks like he's probably the man to start in that role. Is he on your radar as a dual hooker, second rower now? We know how good his PPM is. Uh, what are your thoughts? Nah, he's not. But, um, you know, if, if they get these markets up and um, on top sport, he might be a legitimate uh, uh, play, you know, for like a one-week play. But uh, Egan... I read an article today saying that Egan will be back in round two, so it's obviously not a overly serious injury and they need him to come back because his service is really important um, for their side and I don't think Jazz gives the same service. But, uh, yeah, I think Jazz would do a lot of tackles, but he probably, you know, takes a bit of a hit in the runs and offloads as well. So um, with him not playing in the back row, I'm not overly keen on him either. But, uh, yeah, I, I think with the news that, Egan's coming back in round two. I'd, I'd uh, keep your powder dry there. There you go, mate. I need to read more newspapers. Egan back round two. That's massive. And, yeah, pretty well put to a line through Jazz. And also, if Walsh is talking down on a Warriors player from a Supergate's perspective, that means it is an absolute no-go zone because it, it does not happen very often. <laughs> uh, question question from Brody Copeland. He wants to know, Spy, is he going with Appy and Avarillo? who we think will probably start at 5'8 for the Bulldogs in round one, or Toto and Little? Uh, I'd be going Appy and Avarillo on that because Little, well, I don't think he'll be playing that much. He might play half a game. The only caveat to that, mate, is if I don't more – no, I just don't like Little, so let's go with the other option. That's my answer. <laughs> Spy, is your favourite word in the English dictionary caveat? Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, what's a new one that I can come up with? Let us know. I'm, I'll add I'm it not next sure, week. mate, but – Stick with what works and it's working for you. Uh, whilst Troy A.W. Patterson asks, Moses Leota or Ben Murdoch-Masillas? I mean, we've probably spoken about Murdoch-Masillas. Uh, any love for Leota if he starts at prop for the Panthers? Uh, I haven't really considered Leota. I don't know what he's mm. is. He's not a player that 
has been on my radar. So I'd be giving you an uneducated answer, but uh, I'd probably go Ben Murdoch Masilla, even though he's fairly unknown. Uh, I think it's fairly cluttered. You know, someone like a Capewell is going to come on and either push Martin into the middle or play in the middle himself. So um, there's there's not that many minutes to go around in that uh, Panthers forward rotation. I'm fully with you, mate. And he's at 350k already, Leo. There's just there's been so many questions throughout the preseason, rightly so, um, surrounding all these Panthers forwards. Um, Leota, Fisher Harris, Martin, Kikau, Yo, Capewell. There's just you know you throw Matty Eisenhuth in there, who I think is a pretty good footballer. Um, just there's only so many minutes to go around. Most of them played sort of close to max minutes last year, except for probably Capewell. So uh, I just don't see where sort of the value comes in the Otar uh, this season. Anyway, that's it for this week, guys. Uh, another strong episode, I must say. So <laughs> hopefully there's no tech issues this time. We get our questions in for the listeners. Uh, guys, as per last year, we'll be back every week from now on in through till the rest of the season. Uh, at 4.30 every Tuesday afternoon when teams drop, we'll be recording pretty well straight away uh, and get that podcast out of a Tuesday night. Next week will be a major podcast with the first team this Tuesday of the season, the biggest day of the year for us super coaches. So we'll go through every side, all the big changes, big positional information there. Uh, in the meantime, guys, jump on our forum on the website. I've been uh, wrapping this one every week. Um, there's been some really good chat and feedback given in our forum uh, on the website. Keen to keep that going. Um, and get involved with it. We'll all jump in as contributors and answer your questions and vice versa. Give feedback, good stuff. Spy, good again, mate. Thank you. Cheers, boys. Yeah, this time next Tuesday, it's going to be all happening. There, there won't be much talk about Brisbane Broncos and St. George Dragons, I don't think, because we're going to be talking about some crazy team list changes, and it's all going to be happening around one. I've just got the feeling every year it happens. We will, mate. Going to be absolute madness. Walsh, thank you. Hey, thanks, boys. Really enjoyed it. Cheers, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.